finishing seventh is actually our our best finish in a decade. So fucking positive as well. Like that's the most positive <laughs> thing you could have said about last night. Well, you know, what's what's twenty one seasons away from the top flight between friends? <laughs> I can't believe you have, like, this wasn't the line. I saw Lamucci described it as a disaster, unacceptable. He should have gone for this is our best finish in, in several years. <laughs> I've got a new gig with the PR department. I think it would lift the spirits of the nation. I don't give a fuck about the nation of Morocco. People's lives are at risk. Oli Gunnar, where would you like the statue? <laughs> it's an absolute disgrace. I refuse to answer that question. Take us a yes then. Take it whatever you want. I don't understand that politics, coronavirus. Why me? I wear a base cap and uh, have a bad shave. Hello, comrades, and you're very welcome to the football spin. Football spin on a Thursday, the morning after, the night before. Liverpool crowned the champions of England after a 30 year wait. Leeds crowned the champions of the championship. Uh, and are back in the Premier League next season. Heartache in the Championship, a lot of drama there. We've got Matt Sayward in, especially today, for a very special Championship corner. Hi, Matt. How you doing, mate? Okay, listen, Matt, listen, stay put, buddy. I know it's been a tough night for you. We'll come back to Championship corner a little bit later on. Uh, Dion and Nas are here as well. And uh, morning, chaps. How are you all? How are you on this fine morning? Fine, Paddy. How are you? I'm good, thank you very much. Nas, I... Uh, I understand this morning is particularly difficult for you. And how yeah. are you? Uh, how it, are you now? It's, it's, I'm, I'm not good. Like, like uh, I know we can, we can be prone to ham things up on here, but um, but like, uh, like, 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 but like, but like, like, genuinely, like last night it was awful. Like, like it, it hit me, it hit me in a, in a, in a surprising way because, like. Up to now, I thought I was dealing with Liverpool winning the league quite well, and 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 I do think, in spite of all the hype, we'd got off lightly. And I thought, fucking hell, like I'm 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 a mature human being because it's not really got to me that much. But last night was awful because 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 last night it, it it was it was that that just that it, just that the whole thing about them lifting the trophy and like we are the champions coming on and, and everything. It just felt it, like it just felt real for the first time, and uh, and and. Twitter went mad and Instagram and everywhere went mad. Like Twitter even Twitter even sort of joined in, like changed their header to like uh, 19 trophies, <laughs> changed change, change their like uh, avatar to like a, a red, a, 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 like a red and yellow sort of Liverpool themed sort of a design. It was a, yeah. it was just it, it, like, like like last night was, was the first time it, it kind of reminded me of, when United won it for the first time, and, uh, and 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 even even just seeing the trophy, even even just the image of seeing the trophy with 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 sort of uh, Liverpool's ribbons on it, it just felt horrible. <laughs> um, Dion, Dion, it was it was a really interesting, um, painful for many, um, joyous for many more uh, event experience to watch Liverpool lift the title in. A, a pretty much empty Anfield, and there were fireworks. There were uh, there was lots of music and a really impressive light show. What did you make of the whole thing? Um, I thought it was uh, thought it was fine. Um, 
I did think at one point this is going to be when you know when you saw the build up to it and you saw the talk about uh, they were playing Coldplay uh, and um, you know the problem was going to be the empty stadium and all this kind of thing and and uh, like that empty stadium has to be filled with something and it's like what will they fill it with what will they do to kind of uh, overcome the idea you know the fact that there is nobody there how will what what avenue will they go down what theme will they go down and I had this awful moment awful fear for a moment that it was going to be somehow Liverpool's version of uh, West Ham's farewell to Upton Park um, which if you remember I don't know if you remember it. There was something. There was something about that. That you know, there was black cabs on the pitch. There was a, a cast of players, and uh, I think West Ham fans. I can't remember, but like it was like if you were trying, it was it was this, the it was actually a trend of success. If you define success as being able to peer into the heart of of what defines like a club or a project, there was something about uh, seeing a couple of black cabs sort of slightly aimlessly driving around Upton Park <laughs> that kind of got into the heart of the Sullivan and Gold and Karen Brady project. You know, was, you were able to kind of say, yes, this is the club. This is, this is their club, all right. This is their club. This looks like something that somebody that remembered uh, on Monday. Oh, we've got a game. We've got our last game at Upton Park on Wednesday. We better do something. Get the black cabs in. Um, and that's what they did. And, like, that is the benchmark for... Uh, you know, terrible, uh, terrible stadium-based, stadium-based events, uh, uh, and I, I, I feared Liverpool's was going to kind of match that, but it didn't. It was, it was fine. I think there is something about uh, there's because there's there is a kind of a, a likability about a lot of the Liverpool squad, and there's a likability, obviously, about Klopp. Uh, I think um, that that. Uh, that um, sort of gives a nice pace to all these things. You know, like even watching Match of the Day last night, there was a great interview with Andy Robertson, who, you know, even his personal story, which is, which is incredible. Everyone knows the, you know, the, uh, like, like the trajectory he's been on in three years. It was three years, I think, the day before since he signed for Liverpool. And now he's kind of one of the most crucial players. And he speaks so articulately and intelligently and is one of a number of Liverpool players who uh, represents the club really well. And clearly, like Jordan Henderson as captain, is somebody who's done that, who's done it tremendously uh, through, the, um, through the coronavirus pandemic. Uh, but, you know, Trent Alexander-Arnold, Salah, Van Dijk, uh, Mane, all these players are exceptional talents and then people that you know a lot of you know people want to hear from and then Klopp comes along and speaks and that's kind of the box office stuff so I thought I thought it was I thought it was fine I think uh it's not the it's it's not the same obviously and now the players I think players in in some ways they get to celebrate with each other and they're probably happy with that but I think uh how you would have imagined um, Liverpool's first title, clearly, like it's kind of you know it's a pointless thing to say because you wouldn't have imagined this, but uh, I thought it was okay. Well, as you said there, um, Liverpool had to fill the stadium with something. It was an empty stadium, and definitely a big part of that is the the sheer f- 
uh, force of uh, nature that is Jurgen Klopp's personality. This is Klopp speaking to, I think it was Sky Sports after the game. You've got such a special relationship with the Liverpool supporters. Do you have a message for them? What can I say? Where's the camera? What can I say? If you don't see that we do it for you, I can't help you, really. Five years ago, I asked you to change from doubters to believers. That second minute before the press conference, I had no idea that, really asked, that I would ask it. But ask it, and you did it. You made us happen, really. Thank you very much. We all together should celebrate at home. Save. Drink what you want. But you have to prepare for a party in I don't know when. This bullshit. Virus is gone. Then we will have. Then we will have a party all together. Make sure you are ready. Then thank you very much. What I got from last night, Naz, was uh, you know when you tell everybody to stay at home, and and in fairness to Liverpool, like they carried through, they didn't park a double decker bus outside the stadium and jump onto it afterwards. But when you tell everyone to stay at home, you do have to try and like make a really good effort, even if it does feel a little bit unreal. And I actually thought. You know what the players are doing their level best here, and I, I'm sure like, they are excited clearly because they've won the title. And then Klopp comes in and he's just giving it socks, and um, you know, that's the right thing to do. Like you, you, you kind of have to just carry on and and make do with what you have. Yeah, I think, and 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 in fairness to to Klopp, he's been he's been excellent throughout this whole uh, pandemic in terms of saying all the right things and. Uh, and and knowing that he has a a grip on the Scouse nation, so so therefore whatever whatever he says has huge weight, and uh, he's he's always sort of uh, said the right thing in terms of celebrating at home, not to come out, um, just be responsible because uh, obviously, um, and and obviously in the light of the, the fact that um, that uh, Liverpool had that Champions League game that um, is cited as something that that created a bit of a hot spot. So no, he's been great, but. Um, I think I think part of what makes it interesting is the fact that this is possibly the most this is pro- possibly the most virtual um champion Liverpool are essentially the social media champions as in like a situation like this has never happened before we've had other people that have won the league during uh, the the information age but in in terms of um in terms of winning it and the fact that people can't do their normal routine, they can't go through the process of like celebrating with each other, hugging each other, uh, going to Anfield, being at the crowd, celebrating the pub afterwards. Um, it's almost been a situation that's been forced, and people have therefore had to had to celebrate it remotely. Um, and that and and other reasons make it such a unique event uh, in that people are are all participating whether whether it's people like me who hate it and are rival fans or whether it's Liverpool fans around the world that are just enjoying it and this is like a monumental moment in their in their lifetimes it's a it's it's a very remote um social media phenomenon and even like uh, Dion mentioned uh Andy Robertson um he's he's young enough to have used social media before he was famous so therefore you've got the famous um tweet he did when he was 18 years old in uh 2012 where he says uh life at this age is rubbish with no money and and in a way like it's it's almost truman show-esque in that in that uh we are now able to cite something from the past uh that he said as as a person in in a particular situation and now we followed that that all the way through to him being uh a vital member of of one of the best 
uh, teams in the world. It's, it's just it's just so interesting in so many ways. Yeah, it's also good that it's a, it's one of those occasions where you don't have to pull something up that somebody tweeted when they were seventeen and say they have to apologise for it. Yeah, uh, or they've been cancelled or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, you say you know everyone's doing this. I like that is a good point about it being a, a social media celebration. But in Killarney County, Kerry, uh, Nas, they were uh, driving through the streets. Uh, celebrating a vic- having a victory parade for Liverpool's uh, um, not 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 considered uh, a Liverpool fortress, but um, <laughs> not until now, Dion. Not until now, and you know, there's been there's been predictable response from people who uh, think they should be supporting uh, you know local teams or whatever, as if they can't do. Like this is always always amazes me about this about this uh, this response, which. Uh, as if people can't do more than one thing. How, so, you know, how 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 did how did that how did that parade uh, um, actualize? Like like what were the scenes? Uh, I would say just spontaneous. Spontaneous. I don't know. I don't know. We might try and maybe we'll try and find out how this happened. But uh, what, what what we talking in terms of numbers? Was there fireworks? Was there light display? <laughs> there just seems to be a number of. I would say uh, not to kind of pigeonhole the the uh, the demographic here. But there seems to be a number of Nissan Qashqais being driven. <laughs> a series of Nissan Qashqais uh, were driven through the streets of of Killarney. Uh, we talk about we talk, we talk about hotspots. That's a hotspot for the Nissan. <laughs> well, I would, I would tell you something again about the demographic, but uh, I think I'm looking at it again. Yeah, that's just one kind of convertible. But yeah, a number of. Uh, yeah, I I would say just as, as spontaneous as spontaneous as your life gets at uh, at the point where you're you're driving uh, a Nissan Qashqai. <laughs> uh, I think this was, this would be it, uh, probably. Yeah. So uh, so that that was a heartwarming scene. Although, as I say, it it, uh, it hasn't um, it hasn't all, hasn't been met with universal acclaim. Um, but I think you know it's. I think it's absolutely fine. I think it is. If people want to celebrate wherever they are, like it is, it is. Uh, um, it is such a is a, a kind of failure of the imagination now to kind of say that you must be from one place, or if you do not be, from, if you're not from that place, uh, your celebrations must reflect that you are not from that place. That you can't be happy uh, or, or joyful. Uh, or, or express your joy because uh, you are not um, uh, in in Liverpool, or you're not in Liverpool, Liverpool Four, or you're not uh, where, wherever you know. This this is this is a, it is just a it is such a suffocating, uh, uh, limiting point of view. Yeah, um, and uh, I think uh, it, it was it was it was lovely to see. Um, Dion and Nas, in and amongst all that um, happiness and celebration and, and, and jollity was somebody who I like to think was representing the interests and the views of all the bitter and begrudging uh, non-Liverpool fans around the world. <laughs> and that, of course, is Frank Lampard, who spoke to Sky Sports after the game. <laughs> Here we go. The second goal, is it fair to say you weren't impressed with the ward of the free kick or indeed some of the behaviour on the Liverpool bench? No, I mean, it, 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 
for me it wasn't a foul uh, from Kovacic um, and there were a lot of things that weren't going and, and on the bench no, but no problem with Jurgen Klopp he's managed this team and it's fantastic some of the bench it's a fine line between when you're winning and they've won the league fair play to Liverpool Football Club but also don't get too arrogant with it that was my thing so but done that's it in match play you get emotional and that was it don't get too arrogant with us Dion advice from Frank advice from Frank Lampard thanks Frank uh, thanks dad <laughs> Um. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. I. I think it's. Uh, it, there's. A, there's a strange thing with Lampard. I think this has been pointed out. I think by by Ken Early and other people about the kind of his his uh, his sensitivity. Um. And it will be interesting to watch how that develops, as he's a manager, because you know he was a player who. And he's a he's a top five. You know, he he played at the highest level, and you know, for, to play at that level, you need to be tough and robust. Um, and famously, he came through a tough time at at West Ham, uh, where he wasn't always appreciated, uh, and he never forgot that. He never forgot um, how how uh, how he was viewed at West Ham, and. Being a manager is a is a is a is a totally different thing then than from being a player and being a successful player and being a successful player, especially at a club like Chelsea at the time that Frank Lampard was there when there were, uh, um, where he was he was uh, fated and um, regarded as a, a senior voice and an influential player, um, and was. And somebody who was idolized by the supporters, and he is still idolized by the supporters there. But criticism comes at you in different ways when you're a manager. And this isn't even criticism. This is just, uh, um, you know, Frank not liking how he's seeing the uh, what he's seeing from the Liverpool backroom team. I think it's probably uh, not really his, you know, the, the place for him to be talking about how you conduct yourself. Uh, but again. It, it might appeal to uh, his constituency, um, but I did. It did. It did strike me. I, I was. <clears throat> I'm struck by that when you think about that sensitivity. Because I was. We mentioned Stephen Gerrard's reaction to, um, to uh, Liverpool winning the title, um, which was. Uh, I think he uh, was on a on a podcast with Gary Lineker, uh, on a match of the day top ten podcast, and he. He went on as well in that to talk about um, his England career, and he said, "Being and you know, Gerard and Lampard was, was was they were the kind of defining players of the golden generation, in the sense that they never you know they could never play get be played together properly, and there was never a solution was never found to that. And it's kind of interesting listening to Gerard now talk about what he feels." Um, should have happened, and he says, you know, he t- in in this he said he had a lot of regrets over his uh, over his international clear- career, and believes a strong manager would have accomplished more than Sven Goran Eriksson, Steve McLaren, Fabio Capello, and Roy Hodgson. Looking back, he said, we needed a manager who was bigger than all of those individual players. There was there were there were managers available at the time, for example, Rafa Benitez, but he might not have wanted to have an interna- to to have been an international manager at that, that time. I look at managers now that are bigger than the team, Klopp, Mourinho and Guardiola. I think someone like that who is above the golden generation is prepared to make the tough decisions 
would have got more out of that group of players. And that is an extraordinary thing for Gerard to say because it is, it is, it is, he's, he's probably right, but it actually is a great example. And, and the next step might be, like he says he has regrets over his international career. The idea of that at that time may well have been alien to Stephen Gerrard or maybe any of the other golden generation who, who, who seemed to, especially around the Sven Goran Eriksson era, they seemed to actually enjoy the power and responsibility and authority that was, was handed to them by, by Eriksson. Um, and now Gerard, looking back, is saying, well, actually, we could have done with a manager like Benitez, who was famously kind of cold with those players, with, with like Liverpool players like, and players like Gerard, who, who probably at times struggled with that. He struggled with, uh, you know, Gerard, Benitez's insistence that, he, you know, I know where you're going to play. You're going to play right side of midfield. You're going to be behind the striker. You're not going to be the box-to-box midfielder that you want to be. Um, and I'm going to get the best out of you. And, you know, he, he played right side of midfield for Liverpool and scored an awful lot of goals, played behind a striker and scored an awful lot of goals. And it took a long time for Gerard to evolve or to accept that that was the best way of getting things out of him. Um, but at England, it was let's play Gerard and Lampard together and let's try and do that. And, in, and the 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 players' desire to be the players they want to be seem to come ahead of any interest in shaping a team to be to be as effective as possible. And I'm just wondering, looking at Lampard now and looking at how he is responding to any kind of barb or slight, if that element of his career has shaped has had an effect on how he responds because he was at Chelsea under Mourinho, but he was he was one of the he was he one of the gilded players. He played under a manager who was bigger than Chelsea, which was Mourinho. Uh, but once Mourinho left, Lampard became this senior figure, and that was the position he had for years at at, at England as well. Um, and I think there's a there's a different. Um, uh, different characteristics needed to be a manager than to be the players that Gerard and Lampard were, um, and I think it's it's fascinating now that this is how Gerard looks back on that England time because I think it it, it was it, it was uh, it was it, it shaped it shaped those players in many ways and how different things might have been. In the, at that time, if they if a, if a manager had taken a different approach, we'll never know. But also, how different would they be now uh, if they had actually been uh, subject to a different type of management then? That's interesting. And just on that, I know it's totally speculative, but would there be an element that now we understand how Frank Lampard's sensitivities work a little better, and that's interesting. When a player, when a player is a player, you don't often see that player in more, we'll say, high pressure situations where they're being asked very difficult questions. As a manager will be, I just wonder if, if for an international manager, because at club level, as you've described, he's gilded, so he's not, he is uh, undroppable essentially for Chelsea. But at an international level, there's a, there's a, there's a logjam of players that can play in that position. And that we kind of might understand a bit better now that actually dropping Frank Lampard could be difficult because he mightn't take it very well. 
and it could affect the entire team. Well, I think it was it was a collective at England then. Yeah, maybe it would affect the entire team, but there was a collective that you had to get these players into the team um, and uh, play them where they wanted them to be wanted them to play. So you had to have Beckham on the right. You had to have Lamp- Lampard and Gerard in the middle, and Paul Scholes ended up you know on the left and retiring and uh, and there was a, a rigidity to that that um, was never addressed by a manager. And this isn't stuff that, this was apparent at the time. Like, this is the thing. And it's interesting that Gerard is saying this because, um, uh, like, this was kind of clear at the time. And it, it does seem to be, and this isn't, you know, this is to his credit, but you, you know, like like many people, you look back at, at how you felt about something in your in your 20s or when you were, you know, or when you were young and you think, you know, the way I felt about that then was not right. You know, there's not the way I would feel about that situation now if I was presented with it. Um, and that's just a normal part of life. And actually, it would be a strange thing, and it'd be a, it would be, uh, ever, it would be a debilitating thing if you were to, if you were to feel um, that you were you you hadn't learned anything, you hadn't changed, you hadn't uh, you hadn't seen things differently. Um, and I think that that's that's to as I said that's to Gerard's credit, but it's also an example of where they were as as England players, where they were as footballers at that time. And uh, again, this was known at the time. You only had to look at, especially under Ericsson. Like Capello tried to change it to a degree, but uh, under Ericsson, you 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 knew that this was a group of players who were um being it was Ericsson's way you know that was the way he managed he he kind of he let the players he let intelligent players uh, do what they were best at i think possibly he he overestimated the intelligence of the players he was working with in the footballing sense um at that time but how it now reflects on uh a, pl- a manager who's going in with the ego of a player, <clears throat> with the ego that uh, allows you to be the player, the big game player, the player who takes the attention on the pitch, the way Lampard did, the way Gerard did, and that is um, that is a different type of ego that's needed to the the, the ego that's needed as a manager, where you are going to get um, criticism, you are going to get um, directly. Um, the finger pointed at you directly for what you might might do as a manager, and uh, I think Lampard, who is who is very you know we saw it we saw it with Derby last year we saw it with the Bielsa stuff where again his reaction was embarrassingly over the top, like really embarrassingly over the top, um, and uh, maybe he's endearing himself to a certain type of supporter with that stuff, but. I don't know how long he can keep going with that. And when there is, when there are, you know, Chelsea are coming up to a crucial weekend. Um, and let's just see how Lampard's career evolves as he gets the natural criticism that all managers get. Well, uh, just quickly on a nod, we better move on to Manchester United, Pogba and Championship Corner, of course. Standby, Matt Sayward, Nottingham Forest fan. Uh, but nods, just on that, does Frank and Lampard endear himself to you last night? Because 
he is not capable of magnanimity. And uh, magnanimity is something that you think is a blight on the game. I know that for a fact. Yeah, I I, I do. Um, but I mean, I, I don't think I don't think Lampard does himself any favors. And just because part of because because you you know like my my sort of my issue with being magnanimous is is it, it closes the door to to being a shit house and 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 winding up the opposition, and and that involves in an innate humor. And 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 a sort of uh, a mischief, which which Lampard doesn't show at all. Like like if if anything, Lampard's biggest issue is is complete lack of humour or sort of perspective. And I think I think Dion touched upon something like almost profound about about Lampard and perhaps other other footballers who became managers. In that it's not about you anymore. It's not. And and Lampard is one of these people who, who's like very like if there's a victory he's, he's sort of like he's like thumping his chest and sort of like uh like um really sort of uh almost almost as if he's as if like he's he scored a winning penalty or something and it, and it's 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 almost like a, a Mark Hughes sort of persona like Mark Hughes always made it about himself not in terms of the narrative or even what he said but it's just like he he still had the aura of uh, and and the sort of mindset of like. A superstar footballer rather than a manager, um, but it's interesting that that Dion says it might appeal to his constituency because obviously, obviously Lampard um, a few years ago had to deny the fact he was going to become a Tory MP in the in the Kensington constituency, um, but and 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 he is famously famously uh, an open Tory, um, but um, it's I I'm not well, I was sure. Just talking about Chelsea fans, Nas. I didn't say anything about <laughs> Tories. I don't know why you think there'd be an overlap there. <laughs> In fairness, in fairness, like like one one of the one of the horrible things about social media. One one of the horrible things is you realize that pe- that people you like, like the like, or, or or you're aligned with, like fellow supporters of of the team you support, um, aren't always great and really let you down sometimes. Another horrible thing you realize is that fans of of teams that you are sure are going to be dickheads to a man can actually be actually quite sound um like for instance a lot of i hate to say it but a lot of leeds fans seem pretty sound on 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 in the the twitter football bubble at least and chelsea fans really surprised me because they can take a joke they can take a joke far more than lampard can like you can take the you unlike other fan bases you can take the piss out of them and and they and they will take it and give it back and and they've not got a problem with it so i think i think although they'll be massively loyal to lampard i'm not sure I'm not sure it's it's as obvious as like oh they'll absolutely lap it up maybe 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 the kind of people who would who would um, enjoy a closing ceremony to a to, to a stadium with with black cabs going around in circles might appreciate it but 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 not not some of the Chelsea fans I I follow. Okay, we we better move on uh, <clears throat> to Manchester United and um, Manchester United's stumbling to a one-all draw last night with West Ham. Um, a Moyes masterclass. I actually had to think for a sec. Was that last night as well? It was. It was last night as well. It feels a lot. It feels so long ago. But um, a lot of the a lot of the debates during the game, especially, and afterwards too, surrounded Paul Pogba's penalty, the one that he gave away when he lifted his hands over his face. This is what Gary Neville had to say at the time. He was the co-commentator on Sky Sports. He's in big trouble, Paul Pogba. He's in big, big trouble. He's giving a penalty away. And then pretended it's hit his head. It's rubbish from him. 
Well, Rubbish. And to think, I felt a little bit sorry for him. I thought he took a whack in the head. He shakes his head. Was he trying to make out he's got a bloody nose? Well, the bloodied nose is only metaphorical because it is a penalty for West Ham United. No, it's interesting watching the pictures because at the end, Pogba's got that that grimace, that grimace, smiley face. Yeah. Um, uh, he's he knows himself that it's not good, and that you know it's actually uh, it is kind of embarrassing, really, wasn't it, for a professional footballer to do something like that? Oh, massively embarrassing. Like, there's no no one can excuse that. I think I I also think it's interesting that I, like I could tell that that was a handball or something had gone wrong simply by Gary Neville's noises. I, I think I think Gary Neville's noises now um, help you sort of decide on what situation what's happening in, in, in it more than his words because like if if he goes oh that means something good has happened and if he go, if he goes oh. That means something, something bad. It's a little bit like, do you, do you remember when when there was classified scores and and you could you could tell by the rhythm of the uh, of the phrasing, like like what the score was going to be. So if it was like Manchester United won, you know they'd won because like they would, then it would be Liverpool nil. Or if it was Liverpool won, Manchester United two. So, so like there's intonations, and and I think I think Gary Neville's noises tell you so much about about the game that he's 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 talking about um, simply by his. Uh, his 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 strained screeches. Yeah, I think it's. Uh, I don't know how many like it's, it's an interesting thing with Pogba because I think uh, there are always people who are kind of eager to defend him and say, well, you know, I would have done that if if I was in that situation, which I would have done, uh, or uh, <laughs> you know, any one of us would probably have done. But that's the, kind of the whole point. <clears throat> and that kind of explains, I think, the the kind of professional reaction, which is just this is not what you do, um, and it's kind of an extraordinary thing for for a professional footballer to do, um, and it's again, uh, it's uh, you know there's even there's a clip of of uh, Antonio putting his hands up to show what 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 he'd done and. It's it's kind of just it's it's a bad level for a player at Manchester United to be when you're doing something like that, um, and I think now the the one thing it can't overshadow is how terrible Manchester United were in the whole game, uh, and how out on their feet they looked, um, and how they were they were really lacking in ideas and. Uh, and we've talked about their tiredness. We talked about you know Solskjaer changing the team for the game, the the, the, cup, the semi-final. Um, but it's uh, it's kind of worrying at this stage that they've gone into a game. You know, they're going into a game, you know uh, a final weekend now where there are three teams: uh, Leicester, themselves, and, and Chelsea. Who uh, and this is the form they're in, um, and. Uh, it's, you know, Chelsea, even after losing, we didn't really talk about it. We talked a lot. We didn't talk about the game at all yesterday. And, you know, Chelsea losing 5-3 uh, and probably feeling um, as if they were they were unlucky to lose. I think that's something that uh, Lampard was also talking about. I think that's, they do seem like they're, they're playing quite well, Chelsea. Um, and if I was United now, you'd be, you'd be, if you're Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, you'd be quite concerned about this. 
are you concerned, Naz? I mean, it looks. It, well, we know what they're. If United can draw or win, they'll they'll they'll, they'll be in the Champions League. But last night they looked wrecked. Even though a lot of those players were rested for the FA Cup, they didn't really turn up as refreshed last night. Anyway, no, like like totally blown out of their asses. Like it, like it's not even. I'm not even sure whether it's it's just a physical thing. Like like it's it's clearly a mental thing, and it's it goes back to this thing of of not being robust enough mentally, or or or, or sort of being able to come back from a defeat or or, or things going wrong. That's the, that's the that's one of the major differences between United and Liverpool. Like when when Robertson was talking about uh what the how how Liverpool got where they were, he talked about like they never give up. Um, if 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 one if one person's having having a bit of iffy form or if one person's struggling, somebody else uh stands up and and and, uh, and plays an important part. And that's just not existent at United at the moment. There's no there's no leaders in the sense that when the when the teams really struggling, no one can take the no one can take the initiative and and be a leader out there and 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 sort of really pep their players up. It's um, I think I think I think last night the two games just showed how much of a gulf there is between between Liverpool and Manchester United, and and that's that's definitely 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 not going to be anywhere near um sort of shortened in the in the coming season. It's going to take a while. Okay, well we've left um Matt say we're hanging long enough. Matt, are you are you still there, Matt? I'm still there. Uh, uh, he hasn't gone anywhere. Uh, Matt Sayward is here. Uh, well, we should play the theme tune, Matt. We should play. The, hold on a second, because we've uh, we have we've got a variety of theme tunes here. I think we should go for um, the morose tone fits today. The morose one, yeah. I believe you're going to actually bump on this on this day for Matt Sayward. You're actually going to also bump his own theme tune. <laughs> I don't feel good about it, Dion, but you know, look at the uh it just feels right. I don't feel good, but he said falling off his own championship corner through two. Ironic that the uh, the line in there is you won't want to miss championship corner because when you asked me to do this, uh, I said I had a calendar appointment that said I was doing literally anything else. But here we are, compounding misery. Last night, Nottingham Forest were defending a three point lead and a six goal swing in the race for the playoff places in the championship. Matt, we in real time we got to experience the anguish. Of Nottingham Forest and the WhatsApp group, talk to us. How are you feeling? It's do you know what? in some in so many ways it's par for the course. Like set, finishing seventh is actually our our best finish in a decade. <laughs> there, that's which, the first. Which is, so, which is so, so fucking impressive. so fucking positive as well. Like that's the most positive <laughs> thing you could have said about last night. <laughs> but you know what's what's twenty one seasons away from the top flight between friends. <laughs> I can't believe you have like this wasn't the line. I saw Lamucci described it as a disaster, unacceptable. He should have gone for this is our best finish in in several years. <laughs> I've got a new gig with the PR department. <laughs> oh, it, it is a stunning failure, though. Like what an unbelievable capitulation that is. Like if it was happening to anyone else, I would be. I, I, I'd be finding the whole thing just hilarious, but um, sadly, sadly, it's happening to my rabble. You know, 
three three points out of the last possible eighteen. That's no good. But we've been we've been in the playoffs for the last two hundred and seven days, and until six minutes before ninety on the last day, we were in there as well. How concerned were you, Matt, uh, about the Reading Swansea game because? You know they were. Uh, it was it was one all at half time, uh, and then, um, well, two one, two one, as you say, going into the like final few minutes. Uh, like, were you like what? What were what were your like? Maybe just chart us through. Chart us through your kind of degrees of concern. Maybe starting with like booking time off for the playoffs. Well, that you know, that like was they, yeah, take that it was that actual day. horrible slander. That was horrible slander from from Nas on Twitter. That oh. uh, that's that's not actually true. That's just his kind of trademark <laughs> shithousery and mischief. Um, I would I would never be so uh, so presumptuous as to think I could count on Nottingham Forest for a date that was in the future. Hey, last night, then where did you? Uh... Well, I I, th- I started the whole thing. We were in fifth, and I thought if anyone's going to screw this up. Surely it's going to be Cardiff because they were at six, and the, the there was plenty of scope for um, Cardiff, Swansea, and Forest to all finish on like a the, the same points total. But it, under most of the scenarios, even if that was the case, it was still more likely that um, Swansea would take Cardiff's spot into sixth. But then the uh, then after kickoff, that all kind of rapidly started to change. It's, it's just one of those things where everything that could go wrong. Uh, did but as soon as we got to the point where the window of goal difference was down to two, I it it almost felt inevitable that we were going to screw it up at that point because it it's like uh it's like watching something install and it, it gets to eighty percent you this is like okay misery is installing like <laughs> <laughs> laws of attraction Matt it's just yeah. the, the universe took over at that stage it's like the... exactly. Yeah. The ball has been sucked into the net um, on the Stoke end. James McLean laying on the, the final goal. Have you seen that tweet from, I'm sure you have, Hannah Forrest, at Hannah Forrest, tweeted yesterday. Are people really worried that we will blow a six-goal difference in one match? Even I'm not fretting. That's a good sign. Believe me. Hashtag NFFC. And I actually was just looking at her replies <laughs> just just in case that wasn't enough jinx to go off. In her replies to various people, I can see his John Nally voice of reason. I can see us conceding three. Barnsley could have had at least that. Uh, Hannah comes back. Stoke, no, got nothing to play for though, so it won't happen. And then the next person, but that was funny. It could happen. I give you permission to laugh at us if this does happen. <laughs> and several other responses to people who are saying, "Yeah, it could happen." You see, there's an interesting thing there. The people, the the, uh, the disproportionate comfort people take, and this always happens at this time of the year around games and people factoring in the nothing to play for metric as if that has like, that is something you should actually be incredibly worried about. If you're uh, a supporter who of a team that does have something to play for, because if you've got nothing to play for, you've got nothing to worry about. Like it is, it is for, for, for decades, people have been misunderstanding the nothing to play for as kind of, oh, they'll be on the beach. And then they, Kind of sit, that's like they're they're they 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 sit back like slack jawed, staring at like kind of results coming in or at a game, looking as this team that they were telling everybody had nothing to play for, just knock the ball around, and uh, you know end up looking like 
kind of, you know, Pep's Barcelona as they kind of weave through the team. You're like, but these guys had nothing to play for. Um, the reason a lot of them are playing at levels, especially, you know, uh, where they don't have anything to play for is because when they do have something to play for, they, the pressure is too much for them. So actually there's nothing they like more than having nothing to play for. Um, and this is something that always gets put, you know, people feed into, oh yeah, this, this, there's nothing to worry about here. These guys have nothing to play for. Far is sort of the classic example of a team that had something to play for and uh, it was too much for them. Like if you could have somehow convinced Forrest you have nothing to play for, you have nothing to worry about, I'm pretty sure that result wouldn't have happened. Well, I think you can read into that from our our run-in coming into this game because for the last five or six matches, we've been playing to secure that kind of playoff place and we haven't won in five. So, yeah, I, I, I think you're right there. So it's, I also found it. Uh, I mean, it's not amusing. It's not. It's not nice. And when a friend is sad, but um, I, I, I found it amusing that uh, say say would always look into look look at the positive side. Like just like he said, like this is our best sort of uh, position for for a few years. Uh, he also he also consoled himself with the fact like, well, we wouldn't have beaten Brentford anyway, so <laughs> it's probably better wearing a playoffs. <laughs> just to look on the bright side, and yeah. to look on the bright side, Matt. Because uh, Forest are still in the championship, because you are, you know, the creator of the the jingle for championship corner. Just know that E-F-L, it's coming back, E-F-L, buddy. E-F-L, it ain't going anywhere. E-F-L, oh yeah. Well, you see, I think like clearly, whatever gods are at work here, they 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 they've heard that work, they've heard that jingle, and they've heard that sting, and they thought this is this man must be invested in the championship for another season. <laughs> this man needs this. We cannot release this guy from no uh, championship corner <clears throat> into Premier League corner, um, especially when you see it when you see it a night like last night, which where everything was happening. Um, like last night's uh, um, last night's games in the championship were the kind of the the sort of ninety minute manifestation of that classic picture. What's that two two? Who's that championship picture of the two teams defending the corner? And there's you know there's about seventeen of them going for a header. What game is? Oh, I can't remember what game it is. Um, and it kind of embodies everything about the championship. Uh, and that last night was was that picture over. Um, you know, over two hours because you know nobody like the bottom teams. Um, every there was people moving around all over the place. Didn't know who was going to get promoted. Didn't know who was going to go down. Didn't know who um, was going to end up in the playoffs. And it was just it kind of just was the perfect encapsulation of the drama that is the championship. Okay, look, that's our lot. I think we. We've gone through quite a bit today. Um, thanks very much to Dion and to Nas and to Matt Sayward. And we will be back this Sunday, in fact, after the last round of games in the Premier League. 
Still fourth place up for grabs and uh, relegation as well from the Premier League too to be decided. So um, if you haven't already done so, click subscribe to get these shows into your feed on whatever platform you're listening to. And uh, we'll talk again soon. Good luck. I think it would lift the spirits of the nation. I don't give a fuck about the nation of Morocco. bro. It's people's lives are at risk. Oli Gunnar, where would you like the statue? <laughs> it's an absolute disgrace. I refuse to answer that question. We'll take that as a yes then. Take it whatever you want. I don't understand that politics, coronavirus. Why me? I wear a base cap and uh, have a bad shave.